You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit inspiresleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com. Book three, the cat has caught the bird and she will scratch out your eyes as well. You will never see your Rapunzel again. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloane. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 81 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. My name is Bethany. I will be your host for this episode. And today's special guest is Rampy and Crew patron supporter, Ruby. Hello, everyone. Hi. So today we're going to cover Crest chapters 31 and 32. But first, Ruby, tell us about yourself, how you discovered Marissa Meyer, how you discovered the podcast, everything. Yeah, uh, so let's see about myself. Uh, well, I work in the mail business, so you know I'm currently an essential worker right now, which is fun and all, but you know it can get a little tough in these days. Uh, but you know, in the downtime, I, I you know do a lot of you know like crochet. I do some re- reading when I can. You know, although you know as an adult, I hate to admit it, but I don't do much reading now as much as I used to. <laughs> um, but I've been giving the whole NaNoWriMo, I think it's called, uh, a try. So I've been slacking off a bit, but that's been fun. Um, so with Marissa Mayer, uh, the way I discovered her is, well, as a, as a kid, um, uh, unfortunately, I was a bit of a butthead when it came to to reading. Uh, so I, I did end up le- reading a lot of books and or a lot of books, but it was more into like horror um, is what I used to get into. Or I still do, but more so over then. And so I did tend to judge the book by its cover a lot. So if with Mar- Marissa Mayer, the Cinder book is what I found first. Um, Let's see, it was through a book club where they recommended a, bu- a book at each time. And, well, I think around that time, I did start going through a lot of fairy tale adaptations. Um, and they, I did end up getting stuck with a lot of one, the ones that were, I think it was a lot of Cinderella is what I was reading. So they did end up, you know, ending the same. So I did get kind of sick of that. And so because the Cinder Chronicles was, you know, did start off as a, a Cinderella adaptation, I did just assume it's going to be the same as everything else. So I, you know, I skipped it. I kind of ignored it for then. And then fast forward another, I want to say maybe seven years. Um, and then with my work, I'm actually able to read 
well, not read, more like um, listen with audiobooks, um, since I can listen, use earphones while I'm working. And so, I, so at that point, I actually was just started collecting a bunch of fairy tale books. So I, I think I, I'd started with like Far, Far Away by Tom, Tom McNeil, which is, uh, I think it's Hansel and Gretel adaptation. Um, but I started with that and then I just collected a bunch of them, went just went through all of them. And one of them was uh, Cinder, which well, it was one of those rare times where, where there wasn't a hold on it. So I was able to binge that one and then go to Scarlet and Chris. So I just kind of went through the whole series within the week or two. Um, and that's when I found out that, you know, Cinder and Marissa Mayer was actually a lot better than I thought they would be. <laughs> Yeah, I think that those books are um, sometimes misleading if you just look at the cover, because I know that Megan O'Russell was like, oh, a high heel on the cover. I so don't want to read that. And then it's it's kind of misleading because Cinder is definitely more a combat boot kind of girl. (laughs) (laughs) So I I totally get that. And I love fairy tale adaptations. So Mm -hmm. I've always gravitated towards those. (laughs) Do you remember how you found the podcast? Oh, yeah. So um, every once in a while, I, um, but yeah, I, I search up books in case I find like a, a book club type podcast. Um, and I, I usually don't get lucky. Um, but there's one time, um, one of the podcasts I listened to, Capes on the Couch, they um, switch, they switched or moved over to, I think it was Podbean, where you listen and they give you like points and you donate those points to a charity. Um so I wanted to give it a try to see if I could, you know, rack up some points since I listened to podcasts a lot at that point. Um, and so I searched up a couple of books. I searched Fable Haven by Brandon Mull, uh, and then Darren Shan, which is just a YA horror. And then I searched The Lunar Chronicles, and I actually discovered you guys like that, or discovered you. <laughs> but back then it was the the three hosts together. Um, I think it was early on. I remember emailing you about the 6% guy. So it's like really early in the Cinder book. Yeah, I remember uh, that yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> but it was that, that was to, very early. Uh, that would have been right after Ashley started being one of the permanent hosts. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, eventually, I think they, they shut down the pod bean. I think it's what it was called. Um, I think it was so. pod coin. Podcoin, yeah. Yeah, yeah which I bums me out because I was like three listens away from a Target gift card, if I oh. remember correctly. <laughs> so I definitely yeah. am a bummed out by that one, but it happens. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you currently reading at the moment? Oh, yeah. So uh, so I do, I do listen to a couple audiobooks right now. And then am I to to get some reading done too. Uh, but with audiobooks, I'm really listening to the Lunar Chronicles um, and I'm on Chris right now. And surprisingly, I did end up uh, stopping right at the end of chapter 32, which you know, I'm surprised I was able to do that. You know, I, I tend to just go straight through the end. It's so um, hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, the other audiobook I'm actually listening to right now is uh, Monster High by Lissy Harrison. Uh, it's very YA and very 2000s when it comes to the references, but it, it's a very, very fun read. Uh, and then the parents are actually pretty cool. You know, usually there's they're they're stuck in like the stereotype where they're either the enemy or they're just uh, kind of blinded to what the kid's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but they're actually pretty cool in the book. Uh, and let's see. Uh, yeah, oh, as, a, then, mm-hmm. as an adult, parents uh, in like TV and books and stuff, they're like very irresponsible. Like, oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> when they put Rugrats on Hulu, my husband and I were like, oh, Rugrats, we loved Rugrats. Like, watching Rugrats as a 30 year old adult, I'm like, why is no one paying attention to these kids? <laughs> yeah. Where are the adults? <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised they got away with so much. <laughs> well, like, I remember watching it as a kid and thinking, like, how cool it was. And, like, just watching it as an adult, I'm like, seriously, someone should be responsible for them. There's, like, five of them. Yeah. They can barely talk and walk. I, I don't know where all the grown-ups <laughs> are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm currently reading Rapunzel Untangled by Cindy C. Bennett which I have read before, but it's been a very long time and I only read it once, but I recommended it to um, the the hosts of of Slippers and Spindles podcast. And I was like, oh, you know, just telling them all about it. I really want to read it. So it's only like 300 pages. I'm reading it. And then when I'm done with that, I'm going to read Howl's Moving Castle for a a Patreon bonus episode that Morgan and I are going to do also have not read that book in a very long time and I forgot how long it was like I went to pull it off my shelf and I was like dang this book is long so (laughs) (laughs) so today we're going to talk about chapters 31 and 32 first I posted a survey it's the end of the year I'd love to get feedback so if you have some time there's a link on the website there's a link in the bio of my Instagram um, I'd love to get some feedback from everybody and if you submit the survey before December 30th you'll get entered into an opportunity to win a, a personalized thank you card from me with some stickers and Prince Kai Thampod bookmarks and If you have time to fill out the survey, it would be very helpful. I'm trying to get some feedback. We've had a lot of changes this year. Becca and Ashley messaged me this morning that they filled it out. So (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what did you guys put? (laughs) So big thank you to them and to everyone else who's, who's had the time to fill it out. We're going to talk about some Fan Art Friday. uh, Today's is from November 27th. The first one is by Leah Hiddle. It's Crescent Thorn in the Desert. Since Thorn is already wearing his blindfold, I'm going to say it's the time when they went walking together, like right after she woke up and they were with the caravan. And um, they're kind of looking at the camera, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they're walking in one direction, but their heads are turned towards us, the audience. So um, I like it. I, I will say I, I picture Cress a little bit shorter, actually quite a bit shorter, but I still like it. I love how like whimsical it feels and it kind of feels very like um, hazy, but in a good way, almost like it's uh, like glowing. Yeah, I did actually catch the blindfold first because um, that was one of the things that bugged me in that the second that artwork in the the new book because mm-hmm. he's wearing that too on that yeah. but I did love the the other thing that I saw is Cress's face um because you, you know how sometimes they do give them like a poker face but right there you can actually see her worry and I, mm-hmm. I love that um because Thorne you know he's just all he's he's whatever you know he's he's <laughs> hiding his emotions I guess <laughs> but you can really see that Cress is is 
is having a tough time with everything that's happening. Yeah, you can definitely see like her her eyebrows are drawn down. Her mouth is kind of in a uh, like a questioning look. Her face mm-hmm. is kind of down toward. She she definitely looks uh, a little crestfallen. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> and I, I agree with the covers. As much as I think the new covers are amazing and unique and, and very talented, I was very disappointed in the cover of Scarlet because Scarlet is supposed to be this like oh. thick, curvy girl. And in the cover, she's very thin. So I, I was definitely yeah. bummed out by that, but artist interpretation, um, you know, I don't, I don't like to take away from artist interpretation. So we all have our own visions as we see people, but I, I was a little bummed by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So big thank you to Leah Hiddle for sharing that. And this next one is from Adam A. Art and it is Wolf. I love it. It's so vibrant and, and colorful. Um, his eyes are very piercing. I love that you can see like the little incisors of his his teeth kind of coming up over his um, his lips. His hair is all wild. It looks like he's in the forest. Um, I just I love it. Yeah, now that the teeth is actually the first thing that I saw when I looked at it because you can just barely see it, but it's there. <laughs> it is just barely there, but it's it's a nice touch. You know, his scars are very evident. He's got some um, facial hair. Uh, his shirt has like holes and stuff in it. Like it, it's very, it's a very wolf picture. And uh, I, I like it because I, I feel like this is a good imagery of him. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So big thank you for sharing that with us. You can check out more of those artists on Instagram and Tumblr. Last week, Patreon Rampion Crew supporters voted for chapter titles. Chapter 29 is Hometown by 21 Pilots, and Chapter 30 is A Jar of Hearts by Christina Perry. And that's it, kids. We're already going to start chapter discussion. I'm getting so much better at this sometimes. <laughs> I think I'm getting better. And then like that episode I did with Up Slippers and Spindles, it was like chapter discussion starts at time mark 55 minutes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> we went on lots of tangents in the beginning. Hopefully we were able to keep it together earlier on in this in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we start out book three. We are going to start with a uh, a new book quote from Rapunzel. Do you want to go ahead and read this one since you're my, my lovely guest? Sure. <laughs> oh, let's see. Book three. The cat has caught the bird and she will scratch out your eyes as well. You will never see your Rapunzel again. Oof. So last week we left off with Rapunzel, not Rapunzel. <laughs> Last week, we left off with Gina going from kind stranger to uh, lunar trafficker in about seven seconds. Thorne was playing cards with a beautiful woman on his lap, and Cress had been kidnapped, thrown in the back of the vehicle, and left the paved streets of Kufra behind. Very intense chapter. (laughs) Yeah. So... (laughs) This week, we're in Thorne's perspective. Now, we haven't been in his perspective since he went blind, which was way, 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 way back in the beginning of the book. So uh, it's definitely interesting to be in his head again. And he's playing cards. He's drinking. He's having a good time. This girl on his lap is helping him play cards. So she says, you know, you can't win with any of these cards, but the next hand is going to be yours. I just can feel it. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Thorne is always feeling lucky, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that he like starts to picture everyone around him, and he has like these these mental images of what everybody looks like. So he says, um, from the man's gruff voice, Thorne pictured a scraggly beard and an excessive belly. He drawn up detailed mental images of all the players at the table. The dealer was a tall and skinny man with a fine mustache. The lady beside him was elderly and something kept jangling when she took her carts. So Thorne pictured an abundance of gaudy jewelry. He judged the man to his right to be scrawny with bad skin, but that was probably because he was winning the most. Of course, the woman who had draped herself over Thorne was viciously hot. So, <laughs> Thorne's imagination is running wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what else is new, right? <laughs> Thorne gets another hand. The woman says these cards are no good. They're completely useless. And Thorne goes all in. Wait, what? <laughs> the girl said these cards are useless, Thorne. I don't understand why you went all in. <laughs> he has a plan. Yeah, uh, at first I, wasn't, I was. It was bugging me that he was so trustworthy or trusting. Of this like strange woman. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. he should have at least, you know, brought Cress. You know, he, he would have gotten further with her. But it sounds like he has a plan. So yeah. I'll, 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 I'll leave him be for now. <laughs> we'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bearded man snorts and Thorn thinks, ah, that's my guy. And uh, he wins. Royal triplets to the blind man. There Yay! You go. <laughs> Not everybody's happy. Uh, a chair crashes <laughs> to the floor. This man jumps up and starts yelling at the woman. He says, outdated piece of junk. I told you to tell him to fold. And the woman says, well, I did. He, he ignored me. And Thorne has a very interesting response. First of all, this guy's kind of, this is so not how you speak to another Mm -hmm. human being, but definitely not a woman. Uh, Outdate a piece of junk and stuff. So rude. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Thorne says, it's your own fault for teaching her the game so well. If I'd won even a couple of hands, I wouldn't have been suspicious. But even my luck isn't this bad. I just had to wait until there was a hand she claimed wasn't salvageable, and then I'd know I had a winner. Oh, so this woman uh, was meant to shake up the blind guy. Trick hmm. him into giving up all his money so that the other guy could could snatch it from him. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. <laughs> I don't remember where that saying came from. Oh, no, it's... I, I know it from as, since I was a kid, but same. I, I, I have no idea where that came right? from. Right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody can email me because I'm not Googling it. <laughs> <laughs> so the it's interesting that Thorne is so incredibly perceptive with the caravanners, with all these people, people he's playing cards with. Because with Cress, he seems to be very obtuse and oblivious. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Cress is helping herself any because he even said like, look, you know, you're really sweet. I don't want to hurt you. We're good, right? Like, I'm not a hero. I'm not a good guy. Don't put a lot of faith in me. But he's still obtuse enough not to know that something that seeing her with another, seeing him with another woman would upset her, 
to think that leaving her okay was was all right, like leaving her alone was going to be okay. So, you know, it's interesting that he's so incredibly observant of all these people around him. He's able to sort of um, sort of uh, get the the measure of their personality. But with Cress, he seems to be a little bit oblivious. And that's actually surprising because I, sh- I, I would have expected that he at least would have been a little more cautious because, you know, Crest did admit that she loved him when, when she was really sick, that one chapter. Yeah. Um, and he, he should have gotten that, that point where, you know, like people admit things when they're either like really drunk or really sick. Like delirium. And exactly. Yeah. And he should have at least been a little more careful. I think this is a, this is an insight into Thorne as a character, right? Because Mm -hmm. he took that situation as, okay, I'm literally the first guy she ever met. We've been through this traumatizing situation. She's clearly done nothing but watch romance dramas on TV. And so has a very like, like a, a warped view of how life works and how people work and communication and stuff. But you know, so to Thorne, it was like, okay, she's just overwhelmed. She's got a fever. She's not really in love with me. Like, obviously, I, I'm a cool guy who's saving her in the desert. And I'm good looking. But, you know, this is all just like an infatuation. And to a certain extent, I agree that it's an infatuation. But Thorne doesn't know that she's had this infatuation since her satellite, that she's been like researching him mm-hmm. and obsessing over his picture and his life and stuff. So it's, it's not to him. It's like, well, we met five days ago or whatever. And to her, it's like, you know, she's been sort of pining for him for weeks. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a definitely a good insight into his character. So Thorne says, look, I'll make you a deal. I just want your escort droid. <laughs> and the man is like, uh, you can't even see her. Well, she seems to be missing a pulse, so... <laughs> Let's hope he didn't misjudge the situation there. And right? he's actually an escort droid and not uh, an actual woman. <laughs> <laughs> but the man gets mad. He punches Thorn right in the jaw and chaos just erupts. Chairs are screeching, furniture is falling, dishes are shattering, people are yelling... There's like a mess of limbs and tumblings. There's like an all-out brawl, basically. And these two arms grab Thorn under his armpits and pull him out of the chaos and says, hey, y'all right? What's going on? And it turns out it's Jamal, one of the people from the caravan. And uh, Thorn is like, yeah, but I mean, if you're going to cheat, you know, just be ready to take the fallout, right? And Jamal is like, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he's more upset about you insulting his woman. He's like, what, she's not an escort droid? I was pretty <laughs> sure. Oh, no, she is. People just don't like to admit that. Well, duh. That part's surprising because, um, you know, I, one of the reasons I did go, go back and reread the book before the episode is I wanted to double check, see if there's like a, a telltale sign of, that you can tell an escort droid's an escort droid besides, you know, the obvious looks, uh, cause you know, maybe, you know, they had like maybe like an, a metallic echo when they talked or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, uh, but it looks like it's really just, you know, if you're super close, like what Thorne was doing, you, you can feel the, the lack of a pulse. 
but and breathing, I assume. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, the other thing is that they should have people who get the escort droids. I, I guess they should have expected something like this to happen because they don't tend to pick normal looking ones. You know, they tend to pick uh, supermodels, you know, with like blue hair, for example, or, yeah. you know, crazy looks like that. And, you know, I, I grew up in the 90s and 2000s, so my brain immediately pictures like all the Buffy bots from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um <laughs> which were very believable because it was played by the same actress, but that's, that's a different story. But yeah, it's definitely like, uh, it would definitely make you like second guess when you look at a person and be like, okay, that person just happens to be perfect. How often do you see one of those in real life? So, mm-hmm. um, but she's definitely an escort droid and, and Thorne's like, again, just own it like a man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Jamal escorts him out, says, let's let's get you out of here and get some ice on that uh, on that eye. And that is actually the end of chapter 31. It's a pretty quick chapter. What was your chapter title for this one? Oh, yeah. So I picked uh, Penny for a Tale by Ivan Moody, which is um, from a musical. Uh, but this song is I think it's about a fable. I'm not too familiar about the, the fable itself, but it pretty much just talks about grief and how if you follow your your greed it's not going to lead to a happy ending and so the the quote i got here is and so did our doggy she'd kill for a bite of those shiny red pennies she left and yeah she left and she barked at the dog in the water but her pennies her pennies they dropped down down so uh yeah i picked this because you know i'm surprised that thorn got just a punch he was just punched in in the face he didn't get any hurt any more than that um because, you know, especially since he's only been blind for like five days, you know, he hasn't had any experience and and how to live as a blind man, I guess you can say. Yeah, it makes uh, you wonder what would have mm-hmm. happened if Jamal hadn't like pulled him out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I chose The Gambler by Fun because Thorne's gambling that's pretty yeah. much it. Like it's about a gambler who plays cards and sometimes he's lucky. And sometimes he's not. And so I thought, okay, well, that fits. Thorne got lucky this time. And uh, the other guy did not. He was very upset about that. Uh, so what was your quote for this chapter? Yeah, so uh, my quote's on, uh, well, on my book, it's page 278 towards the bottom. It's, then the bearded man snorted with a sound that made Thorne's spine tingled. tingle. Not from concern, but expectation. This was his man. Uh, and it's because, well, the, I reread this this chapter several times, and then it took a couple rereadings to actually understand that he he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just you know upset with him because again, <laughs> you know, he's only been blind for a short amount of time. He shouldn't be trusting strangers like this, especially mm-hmm. people who would gamble with a, a recently blinded man. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. That was that's my like, quote. <laughs> that's a good one because that's our, for the reader, that's our cue of like, oh, okay. Thorne's been looking for cues to try to figure out who the escort droid mm-hmm. belongs to. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my quote was from page 281. If there's one thing I hate, it's a guy who goes berserk when he gets caught cheating. If you're going to do it, you have to be ready to take the fallout like a man. 
I just, I like that Thorne is like, look, cheating's cool. I'm a criminal. I do stuff all the time, but you have to be ready for the consequences. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a very self-aware moment for Thorne. And I, I appreciated that after <laughs> he's, oh, yeah. so, he's so obtuse with, with Cress. It's like, well, at least he, you know, we give him some credit in some situations. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show so now comes the big chapter chapter 31 was just like hey we're playing cards thorn wants an escort droid but there's actually a lot happening in chapter 32 so everybody take a deep breath if you need to (laughs) oh yeah no this chapter had me really stressed out (laughs) this is a very stressful chapter even even Mm -hmm. reading it like the fifth time the sixth time I'm always like oh my god I'm on I'm freaking (laughs) out right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we're still with Thorne he's got uh, an ice pack on his cheekbone Jamal says he's lucky he didn't break his nose or lose any teeth which is good because Thorne is rather attached to his nose, which of course makes me think of Tangled when Flynn writers like, they just can't get my nose right. (laughs) (laughs) They sit down, Jamal hands him this cold, frothy lemon drink, tamarind juice. It's non-alcoholic, which is good. Mm -hmm. They don't need alcohol right now. (laughs) They got enough going on. (laughs) So they have this, I don't... I don't necessarily want to be like Jamal said this and then Thorne said this and then Jamal said this and then Thorne said this. So we're just going to kind of do an overview of their conversation real quick. And then we'll talk about the information that we get. Jamal is like, you know, I didn't know you were a gambler. Thorne is like, I like challenges, no survival skills. Let's desert in the honeymoon. Can't see. Let's play cards. Um uh, Jamal's like, how come you didn't bring your girl? Well, she needed the rest and she's never played Royals and it's hard to explain the rules and she wouldn't have been happy about your escort droid either. Uh, oh, uh, she, she's not for me. No, 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 no. She'd be a good gift for, for this, uh, this spaceship friend of mine. It, it's, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of things there. One, Jamal totally saw him like losing all of his money in this game of cards and was just like, let's see what happens. <laughs> this butthead. Um, no, it, it bugged me. <laughs> yeah. And yes. he's like, well, it's, it's, I mean, what do I care if, a if a, if a blind man wants to screw himself over and it's like, well, <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, Jamal points out the obvious aren't you supposed to be married and on your honeymoon? What are you doing with some other girl? Escort droid or not, it's still another woman all over you in a public place when you're supposedly, you know, on your honeymoon. So what's up with that? Uh, Thorne kind of dodges the question and only addresses the part about the escort droid, not the part about like, 
whether or not his quote wife would be upset. Obviously she was. Mm-hmm. As a wife, yeah, I'd be furious. I don't care if it's an escort droid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we would be having a conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, he was, he's Thorne's smart. He, he should have understood that he should have been ke- keeping up appearances, you know, even gabbling. Yeah, I, I mean, this he is was. just, mm-hmm. this is a stupid, this is stupid on his part. It's just downright yeah. stupid. You're staying in the hotel with all these people from the caravan. You're on their tab, like they're paying for your hotel room. You should not be down in the lobby in broad daylight where everyone and their brother can see you and have some other woman draped all over you. And I get that she's an escort droid, but not everyone is going to know that just looking at her. And then, like you said, either way, you're not keeping up appearances. Like, you're ruining your own cover story. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jamal is like, well, I mean, it also keeps all the attention away from the real prize upstairs. You seem like the protective sort. And now is when Thorne starts to feel a little uneasy. It says his mm-hmm. instincts hummed at something in Jamal's tone. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. This is sort of when we take a turn from curious strangers getting to know each other to Jamal is clearly trying to size up Thorne, Cress, and their whole situation. And Thorne is very slowly picking up on it. We have this moment here where Thorne is like, oh, yeah, I'm a lucky man. And Jamal gives it away really fast. A girl like that doesn't fall out of the sky every day. <laughs> Boom, red flag. Mm-hmm. It's like, red flag, red flag, red flag, thorn, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> thorn is like, yeah, I should, I should get back to her. I was supposed to bring food and I got carried away. Well, she's with Gina. They went out for re- refreshments. Well, Cress would never leave without telling him, actually. (laughs) She did. Yeah, she willing, like, before Gina, like, kidnapped her, she was going to go have lunch with Gina. She was going to try to calm herself down. True, yeah. Yeah, so she she did. And um, he tries to, like, stay nonchalant. He tries to keep an even speaking tone. He doesn't want to give anything away. So he's like, yeah, she deserves some girl time. When will they be back? You know, it's good for her to make friends, but I'm just, I'm just curious. Exploring all that Earth has to offer. Red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? Like Thorin has this moment where he's like, oh, okay. And then Jamal just kind of laughs. He's like, ha ha, I knew it. I knew you wouldn't be surprised. Quinde thought you didn't know she was lunar, but I figured you would. You strike me as the type of a man who has a keen sense of value, especially when I saw you bargaining for that escort downstairs. Even blind, you do seem to have impeccable taste in female companionship. That feels, I don't know, a little yucky. I guess you can say like uh, he's definitely mm-hmm. buttering him with compliments mm-hmm. uh, or, or I should, I should say like what he thinks of as compliments, like what mm-hmm. Jamal thinks of as a compliment. Um, but uh, it's definitely like, okay, he, she doesn't drop out of the sky. She went away with Gina exploring all that earth has to offer. I knew you knew she was lunar. Thorne is very slowly picking up on this. So he's like, okay, wait, I need to get control of the situation. What was he talking about? Sense of value, impeccable taste. 
Um, and Jamal asks, like, okay, how did how did you find her? So he knows about the satellite. He knows about the pod ship. Well, it's kind of a long story. Yeah. I think you've given enough away already, Thorne. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm glad that you're not like, let me spill all my secrets. Right. And with this, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't consider that the satellite is this huge thing in the middle of the desert, which it is in the middle of the desert. I'll give him that. But he should have assumed that someone's going to discover it sooner or later. And he should have made up some kind of story to back it mm-hmm. up um, just so that way he's he wouldn't be in this kind of situation. But you know, here we are. <laughs> I think. I think there was a very real part of them that was hoping the wind and the sand would cover the evidence, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't been long enough yet. You know, maybe a week, maybe a week and a half the wind and the sand would cover it, but it it just hasn't been long enough yet. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it was on the news, Crest saw it on the news. That's why she panicked. Mm -hmm. Um, Jamal and and the caravan crew are obviously aware of it. And he says, like, obviously the crash wasn't part of the plan, right? But did you always plan on Africa or are there more lucrative markets in the union? More lucrative for what? Oh, yeah. Um, Thorne, uh, this bugged me a bit because Thorne, you know, he's a, he calls himself a master criminal. He should be aware <laughs> that, you know, there's, there's black markets all over the world. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I don't remember if this is a thing in the past or if it happens in the later book but there was the whole rumor that lunars are hiding in on earth mm-hmm. you should have assumed that some people would try to sell each other on the assumption that they were lunars whether they were mm-hmm. or not uh, so he should have at least come into come onto that conclusion there it makes you wonder what kind of reality they live in in this this future mm-hmm. society because in our world um, unfortunately, human trafficking, specifically in women and and children, mm-hmm. is common. Yeah, it's more common than you think. It's an issue many people are trying to address and and do things that they can to help others. But it is a thing that happens, and it happens all over the world. And so the fact that it didn't occur to Thorn makes me wonder: like, is he a little obtuse? Did he not realize there was a market over there? Or is this something that, you know, isn't as much of a concern in the future or perhaps, um, perhaps just not as well known? Well, do you remember how long he's been a criminal for or how long? I mean, his life, uh, right? Like he tried to steal his mom's necklace when he was like nine. So I don't know. (laughs) I can see him being sheltered, you know, while he was with yeah. his, his mom. Uh, and then maybe after he he steals the rampion. It seems like between... he grew up in a, a relatively middle class family. You know, his mom had a necklace, a diamond necklace. Yeah. Um, he went straight from school to the military, but he ditched the military. He managed to stay on the run from the military for like, what, a year and a half. And then he was in prison. Well, when you're on the run, I'm assuming you're not having a lot of interactions with other people unless you're stealing. Because uh, it doesn't seem like he's the type that's like setting up schemes and doing a bunch of like Ocean's Eleven stuff. You know, he's he doesn't seem to be like a con man type of criminal. He seems to be like a professional thief type of criminal. So, yeah, I mean, he seems to have been very isolated from the world, kind of sheltered, like you said. And um. 
I, I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like with them growing up on different parts of the world, like he grew up in the United States, this is over in Africa, you know, maybe he's just not aware of some of the the socioeconomic concerns that are present in, in the place that they're in, in Kufra in Africa, mm-hmm. um, because he's more aware of like the situations that he dealt with in his own childhood right. and culture, I guess. Yeah. It, it does seem a little strange that no one seems to know about it, but, you know, there was also, a, you know, we saw in the beginning of Cinder when she was like, there are no lunars on Earth. And Kai was like, there are no lunars on Earth. And Thorne was like, there are no lunars oh, on yeah. Earth. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it was like, you guys are very naive to, <laughs> to what's going on in the world because mm-hmm. there are lunars all over the planet. And, yeah. um, and there, there must have been rumors, too. Uh, yeah yeah i think there were probably rumors and it was one of those things that people were like i don't know i don't i don't want to say that it's like far-fetched you know like i don't want to compare it to like i don't know what's like a crazy urban legend that people believe in but is most likely not true like like loch ness monster or something like i don't want to compare it to that because Uh there is like a likelihood of it Mm -hmm. you know In, in today's modern day of technology it's very unlikely that there's a bigfoot or a loch ness monster that we can't get anything more than a grainy picture of okay yeah <laughs> so mm-hmm. i i mean 20 years ago you might have been able to convince me but when we can satellite see every single inch of the entire world at at one time and get perfect pictures of it uh, uh you're not going to convince me that a guy in a gorilla suit in a grainy picture is the bigfoot <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't necessarily want to compare it to like urban legends like that, because those do seem a little bit more unrealistic. But it seems like that's how it is in this society, in this in this future world. They're like, what? Not only do they just assume there's no lunars on Earth, they're like, that's not even a possibility. Well, they always assume. I, I figured they would have done something like that because they give lunars all this power with with fear because you know mm-hmm. they, they they at first i remember they thought that lunars had some kind of special mind trick that allowed them to hide their ships which yes. you know we now know it was all crest and but you know if, if they thought something like that they should have at least you know put something together with you know them hiding uh in the shadows you know or something like that it's a good point to to keep in mind if there's the rumor that they can supposedly hide their ships from from people knowing that they've entered the earth and atmosphere then if they have that kind of ability yeah it shouldn't be too surprising that a couple of them would have made it to earth i think the only thing that i think the only thing that would save that theory is that people would assume levana would never allow them to get to earth so, you know, even if they could cloak their spaceships from Earthens, Levana wouldn't be fooled and Levana wouldn't let her people leave. I don't know. I mm-hmm. to me immigration illegal or otherwise is mm-hmm. always a part of history. Um yeah. and so you know, to think that someone would have snuck across a border somewhere doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. But I guess this isn't really like hopping a fence or digging a hole, right? We're talking about right. getting on a ship and going from the moon to the earth. So it's a definitely a different um, feat, you know, mm-hmm. different, yeah. different challenge. But I, I could still see it being a, a possibility. Mm-hmm. So Thorne 
he finally starts to see the red flags. He kind of shrugs everything off and he's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you said they've been gone a couple of hours. Jamal totally sidetracks him. Did you know she was a, a shell? You couldn't find me trading in their kind otherwise. And I wrote in my notes, seriously, Thorne, how many red flags do you need? This is insane. <laughs> there are oh, yeah. so many red flags. Mm-hmm. And I think part of Thorne is like trying to understand what's happening because he's just like confused by the, the language that's being used, like lucrative market, trading. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of him is also trying to like, okay, how do I play this situation? What do I do to get out of this with the upper hand. Um, and now he starts to panic. Okay, they know about the satellite. They know that she's a shell and they want to, what, sell her? There's a market for that? And he says, look, lunars normally terrify me too, but Cress is harmless. Not so terrible to look at either. Short though, hey, <laughs> I am short. We can still be cute, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am a foot shorter than my husband. I think Ashley is like 14 inches shorter than her husband. Like we can still be cute. Okay. (laughs) It's like so short though. (laughs) Jamal offers him more to drink and there's a lot of conversation back and forth here. Jamal wants to know, are you taking her to this old doctor in Farafra? Because Gina's interested and we could save you the trouble. And Thorne, he tries to imagine that they're just talking about merchandise. They're not talking about Cress. He wants to know what Jamal knows that he doesn't. And Thorne says, well, why should I even deal with a middleman? It's just convenient. You know, we'll take her. We know the market better. We'll make sure she ends up somewhere nice if you care about that. <laughs> What's the offer for this lunar shell? 20,000 units? Wow. What? <laughs> That's a huge offer. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's assume for five seconds that a unit is the equivalent of a dollar, $20,000. My car cost 18000 you guys, and I have a really nice car. If you pay $1,000 for an apartment a month, that's one year of living somewhere, almost two. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is three semesters at a community college. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is half a year's salary for some people. This is a full year's salary for some people. Like, when I was waitressing, this was definitely, like, my yearly salary amount. And they're going to pay that for a shell girl, which tells us as a reader several things. One, we know who the crazy doctor in Farafra is, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. giving a spoiler away there. We can put two and two together. Mm-hmm. Where the hell does Dr. Erlon have $20,000 per person from? Exactly. You know, in, in the other um, chapter, he was... He was trading like medicine and all that. Uh, it's just um, he can't glamour money. Yeah. In, in this so, situation, so yeah. Yeah. What exactly is he doing? You have to assume that it's more than twenty thousand units that they're going to get for Crest, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they're going to still want to make a profit for themselves. They're not going to do all this work for Thorn and then leave with nothing and give him the twenty thousand units. In theory, mm-hmm. they're going to want like. 
I don't know, maybe 25,000. They give, they give Thorne the 20 and they take the five for themselves or something. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but 20,000 just seems like a lot. And Thorne is shocked too. Mm -hmm. Um, if the starting offer was 20,000 units, what did they think she was really worth? He felt like a fool. What was this lunar trafficking, some sort of weird fetishism? I mean, it does seem very peculiar. Um, there, there's not a lot to go on if there's like other people interested or if it's just this crazy doctor in Farafra. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if there's another mm-hmm. market for it or if it's just the, the doctor. Yeah. And if it is just the doctor, then it's a relatively recent development, right? He's only been in Africa mm-hmm. for like two or three months. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting too. She was a girl, a living girl, smart and sweet and awkward and unusual. And she was worth far more than they could ever realize. Don't be shy, Mr. Smith. You must have had some number in mind. His thoughts started to clear and it occurred to him that in many ways he was just like these people, a businessman out to make a quick, a quick profit who had been lucky enough to stumble onto a naive, overly trusting lunar shell except he had a bad habit of just taking the things that he wanted. So this again is a moment for Thorne. He's very Mm -hmm. transparent. He realizes that he's also a careless person. He realizes that he also has shortcomings. Um, He normally just take things. He just takes the things that he wants. He doesn't uh, take into consideration the the consequences or what it might do to other people, but it's never occurred to him to think of merchandise in terms of a human being. And that apparently is where Thorne draws the line. This is too much for him. He, It's okay to steal a weird African dream doll, <laughs> but we're not going to steal a lunar girl. Mm-hmm. And then Thorne is overcome with panic because he realizes this isn't a negotiation. This is a distraction. Jamal is deliberately wasting his time. Thorne rushes to the door. He starts screaming for Crest, but he he doesn't even know where he is. He just knows he's in the hotel. Um, He's trying to remember how many doors they passed. He's trying to figure out how he can find Crest. He's just like screaming her name. And he hears, can I help you, master? He's like, ah, no, wait, that voice is weird. (laughs) And she calls me captain, not master. My previous owner called me darling, your new escort droid. Would you like a massage? (laughs) So escort droids are programmed very well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He gets to room eight. He starts pounding on the door and darling is programmed not to destroy property. So she'll, should she get him the key? Okay. But she can cheat at cards. Like she's got weird programming. (laughs) Yeah. I guess because destroying property is illegal and cheating at cards is uh, what un, um, immoral, but not illegal, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Darling asks if he needs translation because all the other guests are coming out of their rooms. They're talking very fast in the in their local language. Um, Jamal comes out and he's like, well, what can you even do? She's gone. What are you going to do? Propose a staring contest? Oh. <laughs> Hey, 
(laughs) (laughs) He despised that his alarm was showing, but every word raised his temperature degree by boiling degree. It seemed like hours ago since he'd so flippantly said goodbye to Cress when she was still in the bath, when her singing was still echoing in his ears, and he'd left her. He just left her. And why? To show off his gambling skills, to prove that he was still self-sufficient, to prove that he didn't need anyone, not even her. All right, Sarah, Patreon member Sarah, do you feel justified? (laughs) Is he learning his lesson yet? (laughs) This is a a big moment for Thorne. He realizes that when he was stroking his own ego, he left Cress open to the horrors of the world that they're in. And this is also really, really, really badass. I'm not going to lie. Thorne is blind and he still beats this guy up. Like he <laughs> grabs him by, he hits him across the face. He grabs him by the shirt. He like shoves him against the wall and he's like, where is she? <laughs> this part just makes me so happy. You I know, know I was like, okay, finally we're seeing some kind of something out of Thorn other than like mm-hmm. the flippant smiles and the the fact that he's obviously able to charm his way out of situations. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing him actually um not that like violence shows the magnitude of a man, but like it it does in this moment. So Jamal says, She's not your concern anymore. You shouldn't have left her alone. She saw you with that android, right? Like she was really shaken up. She didn't even hesitate when Gina took her. Thorn uses his cane to kick Jamal in the groin, <laughs> then hits him in the head so hard you can hear a crack, then grabs his gun. So this is all really cool to picture in my head because uh-huh. it's like, bear, 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 you know, like mm-hmm. it's a very like um, it's a very like badass action hero movie version mm-hmm. of Thorn right now. And I, I really enjoyed reading it. Yeah, I hope that when they, you know, eventually turn these books into like a, a movie or a show or whatever, that they actually put this into that and just show Thorne being really, you know, releasing his inner daredevil and all that. I do too. That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this is also a great moment for Thorne. Um Thorne reached for the gun that had been nearly forgotten since he and Cress had left the satellite. He pulled it from his waistband and took aim. Screams from the other people in the hall bounced down the corridors, followed by the slamming of doors and the pounding of feet on the stairway. From this distance, he said, I'm pretty sure I can hit you a few times. I wonder how many shots I can get him before I get a fatal one. He listed his head. Then I guess I'll just have to take your port screen, which probably has all of your business contacts in it. You said something about a doctor in Ferrata. I guess we'll try him first. Clicks the, cocks the gun and releases the safety. And Jamal is like, no, no, no. Okay, I don't want to die. Yes, <laughs> he took her to Ferrara. They took her to Ferrara. It's about 300 kilometers northeast. Some doctor there has a thing for lunar shells. <laughs> oh, but no, I was just going to say, Dr. Airland always comes out so pervy in these books. <laughs> it's just, I know. Yeah. I remember, I remember like that very first chapter with him when Fatin was like, Why do you only care about the young girls? It's very <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells the escort droids to get the coordinates, find the fastest way there. 
And Jamal says, you're an idiot to go after her. She'll already be sold. And that old man isn't going to pay for her twice. You should just cut your losses and move on. She's just a lunar shell. She isn't worth it. Thorne finally has a moment of what I would, Sarah can correct me, but I would consider this a tiny little bit of redemption. Hmm. If you honestly believe that, then you really don't recognize true value when you see it. And that is the end of chapter 32. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I'm honestly surprised I didn't go any further. Well, they have to terrify us, right? Like (laughs) Marissa (laughs) has to terrify us so that we keep reading. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So how how are you feeling? There was a lot going on in this chapter. I'm even getting a little bit of anxiety just talking about it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I... You know, he had me worried because um, I know when I first read it, it I was just fr- internally screaming at Thor not to give off and that he he knows what he they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just wanted him to get all the information and then just figure out how to get there. You know, being blind and all, um, just you know, have him figure out a way to rescue Chris because, well, it's we know. That's Dr. Erland, but he doesn't know that. And, you know, he, he, he doesn't know what could happen with Chris. And we don't um, know what Dr. Erland is using these shelves for. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like what Wolf said in, in Scarlet, you know, he didn't kill anybody, but that doesn't make him harmless. It's kind of the same with Dr. Erlong, you know, yeah. we, we don't necessarily think that what he's doing is out of a perversion, but it doesn't make him harmless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your chapter title for this week? For, episode, yeah, so, for chapter 32, sorry. Oh, yeah. So I picked uh, this song called Lonesome Writer by uh, Volby. It's a heavier song um, than what we usually have. Uh, but it's like a, it's a fusion of rock, metal, rockabilly, that kind of thing. Um, and it's a duet with the, the singer of the band and this well, I looked her up, uh, Sarah Blackwood. I thought she sounds kind of, she has like a country vibe to her, but I, I guess she's more rockabilly than I thought. Um, but really the song is just about this guy. Um, well, I think it's a ghost or something, but there's this whole thing, but it's really just this guy being lost, trying to, to find his, 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 his girl. Um, you know, he's, he's confused. He doesn't know what's happening. He, he just wants to be home. Um, and so the quote I have here, it says, it starts with, uh, Rita, where have you gone? I've been missing you for far too long. I feel so blue. Haven't you heard? I am the lonesome writer. Hear the lonesome writers call home. Um, it's just kind of with what Thorne's doing. You know, he's freaking out. He's, he doesn't know what he's going to do. He's, you know, he's pretty much just worried about Cress at this point. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I, I had to look that song up when you picked it because oh. I was like, I don't recognize any of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I chose Consequences by Camila Cabello, which is a beautiful, beautiful song, mm-hmm. especially live. Um, you know, there's a lot of things about this song that don't necessarily fit this situation because it's about, um, you know, how relationships can fall apart and how those relationships good and bad can have lasting effects on you as a person even years later but there are moments in the song that I think really speak to what is happening to Thorne 
in this moment. And what is happening to Cress? We know that she got taken and everything, and that doesn't necessarily happen in this chapter, but it's still a part of the journey that the two of them are going on. It's still the catalyst for what's happening to Thorne right now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, some of the lyrics that I think really stand out are loving you with sunshine, safe and sound, a steady place to let down my defenses. Cress definitely let down her defenses with Thorne. Mm-hmm. She she definitely didn't protect herself um, emotionally from the heartache of, of Thorne and his personality and his personification. And then some of the other lyrics are loving you with sunshine, but then it poured and I lost so much more than my senses. This, I think, speaks to both of them. Cress was senseless when she saw the woman on top of Thorne's lap and she was overwhelmed. She was so upset. It was very easy for Gina to use that moment to manipulate her. And Thorne is, he becomes very senseless now in this moment with Jamal, when he realizes what's happening, when he realizes that Cress isn't there, that she's gone, that she could be in danger, that he has to try to find a way to get her. Um, he kind of gets overwhelmed as well because that's a very scary realization to come to. And so I I just felt like there was a lot of consequences that were happening throughout these two chapters, especially the ones, you know, especially chapter 29 before we got to this week. And I think that when listening to that song, which is a very emotional song, I love that song. I'm a big Camila Cabello fan. Um, But when listening to that song, I definitely felt like the despair that Cress was feeling. And I felt the confusion and, and sheer determination that Thorne is feeling now where he's like, okay, I definitely screwed up. I got to go get her. So what was your quote for chapter 32? Yeah. Uh, so mine was at page 287, uh, kind of towards the middle. It's his thoughts started to clear and it occurred to him that in many ways, he was just like these people, a businessman out to make a quick profit who had been lucky enough to stumble onto a, a, naive, a naive, overly trusting lunar shell. Uh, I think at this point, well, more so on um, the, the quote that you mentioned where he talks about him um, trying to prove he was self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. But on this part, I think this is where he starts recognizing his bad habits. Uh, mm-hmm. And so with this, I hope that, you know, he takes his his advice that he gives to Cinder into consideration. And he, he uses that to pretty much just hopefully improve himself. Uh, you know, with the podcast, I listened to Capes on the pal- on the couch. They mention something a lot where they say, not your fault. It is your problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope he kind of follows that because in the end, he, he did screw up majorly here, but you know, it's not his fault. He didn't, you know, force the, forced them to take Cress. He he had a lot of opportunities to, you know, kind of sell Cinder out, you know, with with what's happening there. Um, he had a lot of a lot of ways he could get out of this, but he always took the let's say morally correct route. Um, you know, he he helped Cress through the whole well the desert, you know, he kind of had to. You know, he was kind of stuck there. But he had a lot of opportunities where he could just find the easy way out is I guess what I'm trying to say. And I think this is where he's going to start to try to improve himself. Uh, yeah. 
I agree. And I, I also think that this is a, a moment of sort of, sort of realization for Thorne that he does care about more than just values and money and things like that, because what we see in Thorne, and it's important to keep in mind that Thorne is 20 years old. He's been a selfish being his whole life. You know, he, he was stealing things at the age of nine from his own family so he could buy himself toys and presents. Um, he ditched a bunch of people on an island. No, I'm sorry, not a bunch of people. He ditched his fellow military members on an island yeah. <laughs> about five minutes after joining the military. Uh, you know, he he is just a very selfish person. And it, it seems like what he does is always for his own personal gain. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen of Thorne is very character development. Um being with Cinder, you know, as soon as he found out that Cinder was the lunar fugitive, he could have easily left her in that warehouse and just gone himself. Exactly. Yeah. As soon as he found out that she was the lost princess, he could have easily left. Like, you know, there, there's definitely been times when I think Thorn, a previous version of himself, you know, would have left these situations and wouldn't be helping other people. And so we're seeing some character growth and development here that he's starting to care about other people, about their safety and well-being, and that he's starting to make those connections with people that he perhaps didn't before. But he is still only 20 years old. And he's always been self-motivated by profit margins. So... You know, he's sort of retraining his brain to look at the world a different way, which I think can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So my quote was, she was a girl, a living girl, smart and sweet and awkward and unusual. And she was worth far more than they could ever realize. And that's also from page 287. Again, Thorne is coming to the realization that Cress means more to him than he thought she did. Mm-hmm. And he does have this moment of protectability, protectiveness, responsibility for her, perhaps. And, you know, Jamal and the caravanners, they seem to be treating Cress like she's nothing more than a dollar sign. But he sees her as more than that. And and this, I think, is a good moment of, of character development for Thorne as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that was chapter 32. I told you guys it would be stressful. (laughs) (laughs) There was one Easter egg. The word, the bonus word captain appeared once. And next week we will cover chapters 33 and 34. Ruby, where can people find you on social media if they would like to do so? Uh, Well, uh, Instagram, I guess. Um, I'm in there as Pardilly with two R's. I do hang out a lot in the Patreon chat. So, you know, they should become a Patreon member. (laughs) Um, I'm in there and, you know, I'm I'm usually up real late. So, you know, I'm always lurking. So (laughs) lurking. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, thank you so much for being here. Ruby, thank you so much for being my guest. Um, Everybody. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow on Instagram. Fill out the listener survey. Give me some feedback so I know how to improve. And keep listening. Keep reading. And until next time, don't get glamored. Bye.
Bye. The passages read for you today are from Press by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Patreon member Ruby. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. We got Verizon 5G home internet. It's from Verizon. Safe choice, right? Well, some things that look great end up being not so great. Like the time you bought a shrimp roll from a gas station. Ugh. Or when you bought that used sports car. <laughs> what about when we got Billy that drum set? The point is, Verizon 5G home internet sounded great. But turned out to be something else. And we deserve fast, reliable internet. We deserve Xfinity. It's time for better internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Verizon 5G facts.